Welcome to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org. Genesis, not all over, but um, in from about chapter 37 to chapter 41, kind of in that range. Um, so that's a pretty, I'm not reading all of it. <laughs> so some of you guys just got real big, like, whoa, yeah, no, I'm not reading all of it. But uh, we're going to talk, talk about a guy that uh, uh, Truett and I have been studying about lately, Joseph. So, uh, me and him have been reading about Joseph here lately. And uh, the Lord's been, been dealing with me um, on this kind of thought when, when God makes a plan. So when, when God makes a plan, it's not the same as you and I making a plan. And it, we get confused sometimes because of how we see uh, things with, with our eyes, with our mind, how we're able to per- perceive things, as opposed to how God views a plan. And there were, you know, I started putting some things together, and there were some you know, different points, different things the Lord was kind of revealing to me. And, and this morning I get here to church, and I'm kind of going through things in my head, and all of a sudden uh, the Lord's like, you know what? These points I've given you, you're going to have to preach a sermon on each point. So, um, this is this is one point this morning, kind of. But there are a lot of little points in, in the middle of the one point. But um, the the broader idea that we want to look at is when God makes a plan, when God has a plan, when when it's God's plan going on. But today we want to look at God's concept of time. Because what we understand is God is more concerned with timing than he is with time. Pocket watch. Pocket yeah. <laughs> to, to really, uh, I mean, honestly, to really get, get a grasp on God's plan, that's something we have to kind of come to terms with. God isn't, doesn't want to do things or feel compelled to do them in our time. But he wants to do them in his timing. It's more about getting us where we need to be and and getting everything in place so that things happen at the right time than it is the amount of time it takes. And, and, you know, looking at this and and looking at different stories in the Bible, which we're going to be talking about Joseph and kind of going through Joseph's life, but but so many stories through the Bible we look at, at Moses, for instance. I mean, Moses, when we read the story of Moses, and, and there's a whole lot about Moses. You have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all are the books of Moses talking about the things that Moses did, the law that God brought down. But we understand that those things happened in the last 40 years of Moses' life. 40 years he spent in the house of Pharaoh. Then he ends up, uh, because he saves the life of, of a Hebrew, he ends up having to flee. He kills an Egyptian in the process. He ends up fleeing Egypt and spends the next 40 years in the wilderness. 
So in our mind, we look at, at, at a guy like Moses, and Moses had spent 80 years of his life doing nothing. Nothing big, major happening, right? But yet God had a plan for Moses' life. And it was in the last 40 years of his life that God executed the plan. And when we look at that, we think, God, all those years before were wasted. No, because God isn't concerned about the time as much as he is timing when the time is right. Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was 90 years old when the son of promise, Isaac, was born to her. Past the time when women can have children. That, that, the, the Bible tells us that. She was past the time that women can, when God says, you know what? It's time. I'm going to give you the one I promised you. Because it's not about time. We, we look at time, we're like, okay, God, you've made me a promise that my seed's going to number the, the sand by the sea and, and all these things. And we look at, at God's time timing and and we're comparing it to our time and, and sarah i'm sure that come a point where wow i can't have kids anymore right i don't know if this promise is going to come true i don't think this can happen anymore because i'm past the time when i think that it's possible but god's time and our time are different and he's less concerned about the time listen he's less concerned he's, he's less concerned about your age than he is the timing. Than he is the need, the moment that we're operating in. And that's something we have to understand. That, that it, it's, it's not about what has happened other than how it has got us to where we are. But it is about the moment that God speaks and the calling that he puts in our heart. So we look at Joseph and... and uh, we're going to start, I think, the first scripture we're going to read. I'm going to apologize in advance, Jana. Genesis 37.5. If you guys remember back around Christmas time, uh, we had the sermon uh, about Joseph where we talked about uh, he dreamed another dream. Dreamed another dream. And we're going to pick up just, just a, a real quick scripture here to kind of uh, get us into the, the idea. Genesis 37.5. And we understand that God had put a dream in Joseph's heart. Uh, 37.5, and like I say, I'm only going to read little bits because if I read everything, it would take us you know, all day to go through this. But uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, it says this, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him the more. Now that little sentence, it's going to sum up a lot about what's going to happen in the very early part of Joseph's life. Because Joseph was the favorite of his father. And God had a plan for Joseph's life. And God gave Joseph a dream. And he dreamed this dream. And this dream involved uh, his brothers bowing down to him. And even his father and mother bowing down to him that he was going to be over them. And well, this didn't sit well with his family, did it? Some of you have brothers or sisters, and you understand that there's a little bit of competitiveness there in, in the family, you know. We want to be mom and dad's favorite. Well, there, there was this, I mean, Joseph was a guy who, who had his father's favor, but they, everyone could tell that God's hand was on him. And so his brothers hated him. But what we have to understand is that there was a dream that God had put into Joseph's heart. And he had said, Joseph, here's what I'm going to do. 
Somehow, someway, here's what I'm going to do. There is going to come a day when your brothers, your father, your mother, they're going to bow before you because I'm going to do a work in your life. Now, his brothers got mad, so guess what they did? Well, first they thought about killing him, but there was a few of the brothers who was like, ah, let's don't do that. Trying to work it out, I think it was Reuben who who was uh, he's like, yeah, we don't really want to do that, and and he 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 intended. They ended up throwing him in a pit, and he intended after the brothers left to come back and get Joseph out. Of course, that it didn't work out because they ended up selling him into slavery in Egypt. That kind of stinks, doesn't it? You had a dream that. God says that your whole family is going to be bowing before you. You were the favorite son of your father. You were wearing that coat of many collars, right? Everything was going good for you. And then you find yourself through these circumstances as a slave in Egypt. That doesn't seem like you've went the right direction, does it? I mean, really, think about it. When you, when you wake up one morning and you are a slave in Egypt, it really doesn't seem like your life is taking the direction that you thought it would. Have you ever came to a realization at, at some point in your life, you know, this isn't exactly where I thought I would be in my life at this point? You ever thought that? Maybe situations and circumstances, tragedies happen in your life, and things that were totally unexpected, and you're looking at your life, and this isn't where I thought I would be right now. This isn't how I thought life would be happening. This isn't how I thought the situation I would be in would be. But what we have to understand is God's timing and our timing is different. It doesn't just because, listen, just because the situation doesn't seem like the kind of situation that God can use doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan to use it. Genesis 39, we're going to read 4 and 5 there. Joseph is in Egypt. He becomes the slave, the servant of a guy named Potiphar. Why he is in Potiphar's house? Uh, we find out that God is, is working with him. Genesis 39, 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, this is Potiphar, and he served him. And he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer of the house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sakes. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all he had in the house and in the field. This was not where God was getting Joseph. Okay, God put a dream in Joseph's heart. What was the dream? That his family was going to bow before him, right? He didn't understand the context of the dream. He didn't really know. He, I mean, he, he understood what the dream meant, but he didn't know the context of what was happening in this dream. But what he knows now is that he, is, he finds himself in Egypt. He is in, in slavery, he is a servant of this man Potiphar. And Potiphar, he sees the kind of person that Joseph is, and he puts him in charge of all the things that pertain to his house. And when he does this, all of a sudden, because of, of Joseph, God begins to bless everything in Potiphar's house. Potiphar doesn't have to touch anything, he doesn't have to do anything, but he is prospering on every side because of what Joseph is doing. 
Even, uh, listen, this, this may, may seem hard to believe, but even in a house of slavery like this, even when Joseph is put in a place where he didn't want to be, he, didn't, he, he shouldn't have been there, but through circumstances out of his control, he finds himself in a situation that's not ideal. God was still blessing his life. And what I want to say to you this morning, you have to understand that there are times when God is getting us to the place God has a plan. We're talking about when God makes a plan. When God makes a plan for our life and He is getting us to the, the execution of the plan that He has in our life, there are times we find ourselves or can find ourselves in situations that don't seem ideal. Places we, we don't like, places we didn't want to be. But that doesn't mean that the hand of God is not still on our life and that He's not blessing us in the middle of those things. Just because the situation's not good doesn't mean you can't be blessed there. Just because things aren't turning out the way you expect doesn't mean you can't be blessed there. Just because this isn't how you anticipated things to go doesn't mean you can't be blessed there. Just because you had a dream and it seemed like the dream should have took you this way, but you went this way. Life took you over here doesn't mean that God can't bless you right where you're at. And a person that sets their heart on following God will find that God's hand will be in your life no matter where you're at, what season of life or situation you're in. So things would get better for Joseph, right? Yeah, they would. But they get worse first. Because Joseph ends up in prison. Yeah, he's wrongly accused by, by Potiphar's wife of him, him, him trying to take advantage of her. And Potiphar, he's like, well, I'm throwing him in jail. So he ends up in, in prison. Now, when Joseph is in prison, and here's what's remarkable. All this time, I, I want you to think about this. Well, God is going to use Joseph to save his family, okay? I'm going to give you, in case you didn't already know, I'm going to spoil it for you. God's going to use Joseph to save his family from a great famine. In order to do that, it's going to take great organizational skills by Joseph. He's going to be, be in charge of all of Egypt. Now, here in a minute, pretend like you don't know this. It's kind of important. But he's going to be in charge of, of all Egypt and storing grain up for the, the years of famine that are going to come. He needs great organizational skills. The first place that God puts him when he is in slavery in Egypt is in the house of Potiphar. And he puts him in charge of the house of Potiphar. And Joseph begins to learn what it takes to run a household. What it takes to make sure the, 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 the uh, crops get sowed. To make sure the animals get fed. To make sure. And God is blessing him in his work. He's teaching him the things that he needs to know when he takes him to where he needs to go. Don't underestimate the value of the experiences that we have. See, Joseph ends up in prison. Listen to this. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper. This is 
Genesis 39:21. I didn't tell you, did I, Jana? Uh, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all of the prisoners that were in prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not into anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. So now, Joseph is learning the things that he needs to know. So God, he, he's out of Potiphar's house. And he ends up in a, in a worse place in prison. But when he gets to prison, God says, you know what? This boy still needs to learn what I need him to know because I got a plan for his life. I got places I'm taking him. I got things that I'm going to do for him. So he gives him favor in the sight of the guy in charge of the prison. And he puts Joseph in charge of everything. There wasn't anything done in the prison that Joseph didn't do. So now he's running the prison. Sometimes the places that seem like the biggest detours in our life are the greatest opportunities for us to learn what God wants us to know so that when He gets us to that thing that He's got in His plan, we'll be ready. You think you're going through a bad place. You think you're going through hard times. You think you're struggling. But maybe God is just getting you ready for the next thing. Maybe what God is doing is He's teaching you what it takes to get through the next thing that He's got in, in His plan for you. Sometimes, and, and we look at this, you know, God, God's timing isn't like our timing when He has a plan. But when, when He takes us down these roads and these avenues, sometimes it's to teach us what were the things that we need to learn in order to, to do what it is that, that he's got for our life. But, but sometimes he takes us on detours so that we can meet people we need to meet, to make connections that we need to make. You know that? Don't underestimate the value of having the right people in your life or, or meeting and getting connected with the right people. It's a powerful thing when we get connected with the right people. When, uh, when Paul writes, you'll hear him write about a guy named John Mark. John Mark came and he went on one of Paul's missionary journeys with him. But somewhere in the middle of that, I don't know if he got homesick or what happened, but he ended up turning around and going back home. And Paul was upset about it. He wasn't happy. So, so when it came to the next time and they were getting things set up, Paul had been with Aquila and Priscilla and they'd been doing their thing. And, 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 and everything, or Paul had, had gone and he had been with Barnabas and, and he had been with these guys. But John Mark, man, he, he didn't, wasn't real sure about that. So when they, when they go and they start splitting up and they're getting ready to go out to the churches again, Paul's like, I'm not taking John Mark with me. I'm not doing that. But... John Mark, he got connected up with someone else who helped him along in the ministry. And Paul, he got this guy named Silas. And him and Silas go out. And they get connected up. And then as Paul's writing, later uh, towards the end of when he's in the Roman prison, 
right? When he's in prison and he's writing, I want you to think about this. He writes a letter and he says, hey, I want you to send John Mark to me because he's profitable to my ministry. What changed? When you read those scriptures and you start digesting what was happening, it was about people getting connected in with the right people. Because there are some people who God puts in our lives to grow us to a certain point. And then there are other people who God puts in to bring us up to that next stage in life. And what, what Paul was doing with John Mark, it could take him so far, but, but it didn't get him where he needed to be. So God needed to, to get John Mark in with someone else. And when, when someone else would have, when, when Paul wanted to give up on John Mark, someone else seen value and was willing to put the time in and got connected up with him with the right person in his life. And later, because of that, he was profitable. Paul seen him as profitable to his ministry. Now, I hope that makes sense to you, the power of connections, because one connection said, no, don't do anything. But another one said, yeah, I'll take this guy and I'm going to use him. Barnabas says, yeah, I'll, I'll take John Mark and, and we'll, we'll roll with it. And because of that, that relationship and that nurturing, he became a profitable man to the ministry of God when others would have given up. There's a powerful thing about making connections. Having people in our life that point us into the right direction. People in our life that we can connect up with, that can pull, pull along with us. People like Silas who are willing to go into the prison with us. Who are willing to take a beating. Sometimes that's the kind of people we need, people who take a beating with us. <laughs> Amen? You've been in church very long. I'm sure you've taken a beating every now and then. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing I love more than someone who will take a beating with me. Praise the Lord for them people. They'll stand in there and then, they, then you get in the prison and they'll praise the Lord with you too. Praise the Lord till the chains start falling off. Amen. We need those people. Sometimes we need, we need that person who can nurture us, who can, who can grow us up in the, in the ministry. It's powerful to get connected with the right people. So God has Joseph in prison while he's in prison. Guess who shows up? The butler and the baker of Pharaoh. Yeah, the butler and baker. And they, they both have a dream. And guess, and they, they're telling Joseph about this. And Joseph interprets their dream. He says to one, he says, in three days, Pharaoh is going to restore you to your position. You're going to be given uh, the cup to Pharaoh again. You're going to be restored to your position. The other guy, he says, listen, in three days, you're going to go before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's going to have you hanged. And exactly what he said would happen, happened. He told that butler, he said, listen, when you get back to Pharaoh's house, remember me. I'm down here in prison, remember me. And I, I want to read a story, or I, I want to read a verse here. I think this is really important. This is in Genesis chapter 39. Nope, sorry. Genesis 40, 23. I told you, everything that happened that he said was going to happen, happened. Okay? And he tells that butler, he says, listen, when you get back to faith, when he restores you, you remember me. Genesis 40, 23. Everybody see it up there? And yet the chief butler, and yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. 
Doesn't that seem about right sometimes? Now listen, I want to interpret your dream. I want to do this. But don't forget me here in prison. When you go to fair, you tell them about me down here. But he forgot him. I want to read uh, 41.1. It said, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed a dream, and behold, he stood by a river. And there, there's more there. It talks about the dream that Pharaoh has, but ultimately the interpretation is there are going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. But two years. Two years after the butler is restored, Pharaoh dreams a dream. When Pharaoh dreams this dream, no one else in the kingdom can interpret it. Verse 9, we get this. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, two years later, saying, I do remember my faults this day. I remember that I forgot something. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night. And, he, and I, or I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him. And he interpreted to us our dream, and each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass... As he interpreted to us, so it was, me he restored into my office, and him he hanged. So two years. Joseph thought that he had punched his ticket. I finally, finally I found my way out. This guy is the right hand of Pharaoh. He is the Pharaoh's butler. I am out of this prison. Okay, listen, buddy, don't forget me when you get up there. As soon as you get back, tell Pharaoh about this guy down here. See if he can give me a job. See if he can get me out of this place. Two years. He forgot him. But see, it's not about time. It's about timing. Because God brought Joseph up at the right time. At the moment. That he needed to be there at the moment when God gave Pharaoh the dream. At the moment that he revealed the famine that was coming in the land of Egypt. At the moment that it was necessary for him to rise up. Pharaoh, Joseph interprets this dream. Pharaoh makes Joseph, Joseph been in Potiphar's house. He had been... Potiphar, boom, Joseph. Everything that was, I want you to think about this. Everything that happened at Potiphar's house, Joseph made it happen. He was in charge of everything. Potiphar was his boss, but Joseph ran the whole show. He goes to prison. He goes to prison. You had the warden of the prison. And then you had Joseph and everything that happened in prison happened because Joseph said it did. He ran the whole show. The guy, the, the, the warden of the prison didn't have to touch a thing. Pharaoh 
upon talking to Joseph, upon hearing the interpretation, upon talking to this man, Joseph telling him what had to happen. Here's what needs to happen if you want to survive the famine that's coming. Pharaoh said, you know what? I'm going to make you my number two. There is nothing in the land of Egypt that is going to happen that doesn't come through you. You'll run it at all. Everything that happens in my house, everything that runs in the whole, everything that is going to happen is going to come through you. And there is no one that has authority above you except for me. You're in charge of it all. Tell me that God wasn't working out a plan in Joseph's life. Tell me that God wasn't, wasn't uh, making him ready for the position. And even when he was in the places where he didn't want to be, God was teaching him. God was helping him to learn. Even in the prison and in slavery, God was prospering him in what he was doing, preparing him for the plan that he had. And when the famine came and his family, who's living over in Canaan, had no food, guess where they went? To the land of Egypt, because there was grain. There was food to eat. Me and Truett, we was reading the, the story of Joseph. and uh, Truett hadn't been, been through Joseph's story, so I asked him, uh, when, when his brothers come back, I said, what do you think he's going to do? you think he's going to have him killed, or you think he's going to have him beat or whip? He said, I think he's going to have him killed. His brother's come, and, and, and there's a whole big story about how all this transpires, and, and really years of time that kind of uh, happens in between the first encounter and when, when his father Jacob finally comes into Egypt. Because first they get grain, and one of the brothers is left in Egypt, and, and, and Joseph says, if you want this one back, you've got to send the, the youngest brother Benjamin. He's got to come back here. And the father's like, no, there's no, I've lost my son Joseph. I'm not sending Benjamin down there. And it wasn't until they ran out of the grain, they had no other options, no other resources, and they were, were, were going to die that, Joseph, or, or that Jacob says, okay, go ahead and go back to Egypt and take Benjamin. And then when Benjamin gets here, he finally, uh, there, there's a whole process that happens. He finally reveals who he is to his brothers. And he tells them, he says, fear not. Don't worry about it. All that happened, that wasn't you, that was God. You, you intended it for evil, you, you intended her, but, but God intended this for the saving of our house. He sent me before to prepare this, to prepare a way for our family to survive. See, our timing... Our time, we, we look at our life and our life is so finite. We look at our life and our life is so finite. And we say to God, God, you better hurry and do this. You better hurry and do that. Uh, uh, you, better, you better do this while this is going on. You better do this while this. And God says, no, I'm going to do it when the time is right. When the timing is right. When things have fallen into place, I'm working out a plan that you can't see. I'm doing things that you don't understand. Over here, on this side, over here on this side, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm doing, doing a work over here. I'm going to say this and, and wrap up. Personal story. Uh, back 
2010. I, I'd, I'd been pastoring a church over in, in Adams County, and, and when we left that church, uh, you know, you get used to preaching, you get used to doing. I, I was uh, teaching the teenage Sunday school class and, and preaching on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. I had to, uh, doing a Bible study on Wednesday evening and, and doing all these things. And Boy, you get used to doing that, and then all of a sudden I have nothing going on. Matter of fact, no one was calling me to go preach either. Because, you know, you've been pastoring for a while and people get used to not calling you because you're not available. No one was calling me. And, and, and I remember kind of having a pity party for myself. I was like, God, you must, you must not be going to use me anymore. You must have only wanted to use me when I was young. You know, because I got called when I was young as, as a preacher. And now I'm getting older now. You, you don't want to use me anymore. People like to hear me preach because I was young and now I'm older. They don't like to hear me preach anymore. I must not have really been good. I was just young, you know. I guess. And it, this was, and I've told this story before and some of you remember. This was, this was going on and, and it had been going on for about six months. That I, I wasn't preaching. I hadn't, hadn't preached a sermon in six months. And, and time was going on, and, and the six months before that, I may only preach one. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just nothing. Well, what do you do when you're used to doing all this stuff, and now you can't? And it was really bothering me. And me and, me and Mackenzie, we had went to Chillicothe and done some Christmas shopping. It was in towards the end of November. And I told her on my way home, we started talking about all this. And, and as we're talking about these things, and I'm having my little pity party, and oh, poor Aaron, poor Aaron, poor Aaron. You, don't, you guys don't believe I do that, do you? Not me, right? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm pretty bad. I'm kind of a head case sometimes. Praise the Lord that he'll use them, head cases, right? Because I know all you are too. Sometimes we just can't get, get past ourselves. And, and we're going down through there as we're talking something really just started to, to jump out at me. Is I think God's trying to teach me something in this. I, honestly, I, that's, I, I think God is trying to teach me something in, in this season that I'm going through. I didn't know what it was, but I, I, I remember saying that to her. I said, I th- Kins, I think God is trying to teach me something in this. I'm going to find out what it is. So I, I start praying, Lord, what is it that you're trying to show me? What is it? In the meantime, I, I just I kind of got plugged in and, and not, not preaching and doing things like that, but just uh, ministries going on at the church that we were at. I just, I just started jumping in and, and doing things and, and being available and helping and, and whatever I could do. And in all that, as the Lord is teaching me these things, and there, there were a lot of things that happened, but one of the things that had happened, it, it, I guess one of the lessons I learned is that I had to learn how to be in the background. How to support people doing ministry. And you think, well, what's that? I, I, it's just the lesson. Because the lesson, all my life, 
And some of you guys have known me since I was young. All my life, when I've went to church, I've been up here doing things. I've been singing, right? My family go, we go sing. Boom, we're up in front of people and we're singing. And that was a lot. And then I get 15 years old, I start preaching. If I'm not preaching, I get a little, I'm teaching classes. I'm doing things. All my life, I've spent in front of the church doing stuff. Always up here. And that's fine. It's good to be up here and, and do what God has called you to do and live that calling out. But what do you do when up here isn't here anymore? You see what I'm saying? It was in this season that the Lord wanted me to learn about not being up here. Having a relationship with God when you're not doing it because you have to. You see what I'm saying? Because when you're a pastor, you study your Bible because you've got to get a sermon. Right? When you're a teacher, you study your Bible because you've got to teach a lesson. When you're singing, you're practicing songs because you're going to sing. Because someone booked you and you're, you're going to be there and you've got to do it. But when you ain't a pastor, when you ain't preaching... When you ain't teaching, are you still studying your word? Are you still, do you still have that close, intimate relationship with God that you ought to have? Or was it all just based on you doing things because you had to? And so in this season, God is, is teaching me, Hey Aaron, you've got to learn to be who I want you to be even when you're not in front of people, even when you're working in the background, even if it means you're supporting other people's ministry. You've still got to be the person I'm calling you to be. So here's what topped it off. I was in the middle of the season. Lord, why aren't you calling me to preach? Why At the end of November, me and my wife had that conversation on our way back from Chillicothe. This was in February of that year that I finally come to this realization of what it was that God was trying to teach me. Finally hit me. Finally dawned on me. Earlier in the week, I'm, I'm out driving, and it just hits me that here's why. There was a song. Um, actually, it's called uh, I Can Play the Background. You guys probably never heard it. The Christian rapper sings it, so I can almost guarantee you no one's heard it here. But it's a beautiful song. Um, and I was listening to that, and it was like, boom, it just dawned on me. Lord, this is what you want me to just be in the background. You take the lead. You do what you want. You want me to. It's happening in a week. I'm driving somewhere. I hear this song. Boom. It hits me. My wife gets a Facebook message. End of the week, she gets a Facebook message. It says, hey, we would like for your husband to come preach at our church. I didn't have any way to get in touch with him. Didn't know how to contact him. Have been looking for a way to get a hold of him since November. You put two two together there. Since November, I've been trying to get a hold of him to come and preach at our church, but I didn't know how. And then I realized maybe I could find you on Facebook. Could you give me his contact info so I can give him a call? And my wife didn't. She gave me a call. And the next, 
Three weeks later, I'm preaching somewhere. While I was here in November, going in this car, saying, Lord, I, I, I think I need to learn this lesson. He's like, yes, you do. And when you've learned it, I've got, I'm going to release in your life what it is that you've been looking for, but you've got to learn the lesson first. I'm working things out over here that you don't see, that you don't understand. Even right now, as you're going through the trial, I have a plan and I'm working things out for when you get here that you can't see. But I'm there and blessing you and prospering even in your slavery, even in your prison, even in the trial, even in the circumstance that you're in today. I have my hand on you. And you and I need to get a hold of that in our life. When God makes a plan for our life, just because it takes us uh, on, on a sidetrack or on a trail we didn't expect to go through... It takes us into situations that, that maybe get messy and we didn't like and we went through things. It doesn't mean that God wasn't using those, that He wasn't preparing us for the plan that He has in our life. And even when we can't see how He's going to be, it doesn't mean that He's not working out here where we can't see. It doesn't mean that He's not working out here where we can't see. And his plan isn't in motion. That he's not, he's not maybe connecting us with the people we need to be connecting with. Teaching us the lessons we need to learn for the work that he has for us. It doesn't mean that he's not, not doing something out there that we can't see, we can't perceive. But that he's already gotten the works to get us where his plan for our life says that we're going. Joseph had a dream. That dream came true. He didn't understand the context when he was a young man of what was going to happen. He didn't know how he was going to get there, but God gave him a dream. The dream came true. And if we left the message at that, we could all go home and be like, yes, God gave a dream, a dream came true, and that, but that, and that is a true statement. But the fact is that God took Joseph down a path that I guarantee you there were times that he thought, there's no way it can happen. It's not possible. There's no way. My family over in Canaan, I'll probably never get to see them again. Let alone the dream ever come true. There's no way. When I'm a servant in Potiphar's house, that the dream can come true. Then he goes to prison. There's no way that God can bring me out of this prison and into the plan that he, had, that he gave me, that dream that he gave. There's no way I can get out of this prison and into that dream. But there was. There was a way. Because God had a plan. And even though Joseph couldn't see it, God was working it out. I believe that God has a plan in your life. God's making plans for you. Where you're at today, what you're going through today, is just a part of it. What part of the plan are you in? You in the prison? You in Potiphar's house? Have you been, you feel like forgotten? 
You feel like that. Oh, this, this is it. There's no way. I want you to know this morning, there is no one forgotten in the eyes of God. He has a plan for your life. He put a dream in your heart. And this morning, if we hold to Him and understand that His timing is much different than our time, then we'll see His plan for our life come true. If we'll hold on, let's all be standing. Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stockdale underscore UCC.